Now we turn to our first guest, Sean Petty. Sean is a pediatric emergency room nurse at Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx. He's also an activist in the New York State Nurses Association, the union that represents 42,000 nurses in New York. In a March 18, 2020 interview with the Independent at the onset of the COVID pandemic here in New York, Sean warned, quote, I'm running out of words to describe how dangerous and scary all of this is. We know what followed afterwards. Now with the Omicron variant sweeping across New York City and the country, Sean is alarmed once again. Sean, welcome to the Independent News Hour on 99.5 FM. Thanks, John and Amber. Good to be here. Great. And so for starters, uh, what's the view of the Omicron variant from a New York uh, City hospital so far, and how do you expect the situation to change in the coming days and weeks? Um, well, the view um, uh, from from our perspective on in, in the emergency room uh, is one of uh, growing uh, daily um, unraveling of of a whole number of different uh, dynamics. Um, and, and it's once again, very scary. Um, my, my close colleague and and close, uh, union activist and and fighter, Kelly Cabrera, who I work on the pediatric side, she works on the adult side. Um, she texted me today and said, this was, um, the worst day she's ever worked, uh, including March and April of 2020. Um, and, it's for a, a, a couple different reasons. One is that in the initial wave, there was an incredible amount of uh, death, uh, viral spread, and um, really traumatizing um, a, amount of uh, care that we had to deliver and, and attempts to save lives that we had to deliver. But right now, what's complicated, there's not as much there, there is that, um, that, that Omicron and Delta are, are, um, are, um, meeting out in terms of the, the actual, um, severity of the illness for unvaccinated and for vaccinated people. Um, this, this virus is hospitalizing and killing people. Um, and we are seeing that, uh, what we're seeing though, is that initially in March and April of 2020, there was a lockdown. And so we didn't see all the other things that people were getting sick with uh, and all the other things that an emergency room and a level one trauma center that we are um, see every day. So we, on top of the rising uh, COVID um, people who are ill from COVID uh, we are also seeing um, we also continue to care for uh, gunshot wounds, car accidents, um, asthma, uh, a profound amount of already existing circulating disease um, and and um, and sick people of the Bronx, uh, which was mitigated by the lockdown uh, last time. So, uh, and also that is in the same, we, we also received a deluge of extra nurses uh, to weather that storm. Uh, and because New York was the, the epicenter of that outbreak. Now everybody is dealing with the same thing at the same time. And so nurses um, who have gone through this are completely um, under moral distress and are leaving the profession. They're transferring to other facilities. The turnover has skyrocketed over the last year. 
And so we're in a, we have a much less experienced workforce. We have a much more precarious workforce and we have a patient volume overload, both with COVID and non-COVID patients that makes this, uh, this actual situation in an emergency room right now in New York city, um, Yeah, that sounds, I mean, that sounds really serious. And, and um, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, with Omicron spreading like wildfire, uh, the president's chief medical advisor, Anthony Fauci, told CNN's Jim Acosta on Monday that shortened quarantine, the, the shortened quarantine time that the CDC is now proposing of five days instead of 10 uh, is to get people back to work. Uh, let's listen to that and, and get your reaction. Why is the CDC now changing these uh, recommended uh, isolation times for people who test positive for the virus uh, but don't have s- symptoms? I, gu- I guess the simple question is why now? Well, the reason is that with the with the sheer volume of new cases that we are having and that we expect to continue with Omicron, One of the things we want to be careful of is that we don't have so many people out. I mean, obviously, if you have symptoms, you should not be out. But if you are asymptomatic and you are infected, we want to get people back to the jobs, particularly those with essential jobs, to keep our society running smoothly. Sean, your reaction? I think we may have lost Sean. Oh, Sean, he, he blipped out for a moment, but I think Sean okay. is back. Were you able to hear that, um, Sean? Of I was Fauci? Not. Sorry. Okay. Should we replay, Reggie? Can we replay the the thought? Is the CDC now changing these uh, recommended uh, isolation times for people who test positive for the virus? Uh, but don't have symptoms. I I guess the simple question is, why now? Well, the reason is that with the the sheer volume of new cases that we are having and that we expect to continue with Omicron, one of the things we want to be careful of is that we don't have so many people out. I mean, obviously, if you have symptoms, you should not be out. But if you are asymptomatic and you are infected, we want to get people back to the jobs, particularly those with essential jobs, to keep our society running smoothly. So what's your reaction to that? Well, um, my reaction is, um, why are they um, prioritizing the functioning of a for-profit economy at the expense of the health of um, millions? Um, the, um, of course, there's the need, like like in the lockdown, there was a need for essential workers to keep um, to to keep society functioning and to get basic goods and services. But if you look at the list of essential workers that are uh, subject to this five day quarantine, it's everything. I mean, we have sports teams that are still having um, audiences of fifteen thousand um, people in their. Um, uh, in stadiums all across this country, they're they're letting this virus rip throughout all of this country, and 
they have no um the, the profit at every step is being prioritized over trying to slow and stop this variant there are um there are um a lot of um there are a lot of uh sorry i'm i'm getting some feedback noise um there's a lot of um uh, prioritization of um corporate interests uh that are that what fauci is speaking of. it's it's not about maintaining essential services it's about maintaining the economy as normal they've decided to let this virus run roughshod uh and let this variant in particular run roughshod over the entire country and sure there's the the vaccinated there are some there are some vaccinated people who will be fine there are many vaccinated people who will be fine there will be many vaccinated people who will not be fine there will be many vaccinated people who will get long covid will get hospitalized will die have have already died from omicron there will be uh and unvaccinated people will be far worse um there will be children that will die um uh, there will be children that will be hospitalized. Right now, the latest story, uh, uh, the latest reports are that um, pediatric hospitalizations have increased four times in the last uh, month, uh, four, 400% in the last month. So um, at every step of the way, they've tried to shift goalposts, whether it's about the CDC uh, saying N95s, surgical masks are okay to take care of COVID patients, or um, in hospitals uh, because we don't know if it's airborne yet uh, because they were short on N95 masks, not for scientific, not because it was backed up by the science, but because it was related to the supply that they had on hand and their lack of preparation. And now again, they're changing the quarantine, not based on what the science tells you, but based on the need of, of the, of an economy that has completely done nothing to deal with the profound uh, inadequacy of our healthcare system to handle this virus. We have very little investment in, um, in training healthcare personnel. We've known that we've had a nursing shortage problem for throughout this pandemic and nothing has been done to deal with that. Um, so this idea that we need to keep this economy going at all costs and we need to keep the profits of Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk you know, flowing throughout this pandemic at the expense of uh, of everybody uh, being exposed to this virus is a very cold calculation that they're making and that respected figures like Fauci and uh, Governor Hochul in New York and many other people are are making uh, right now. And this is a bipartisan project. Um, the, the one tragedy from this situation is that people are so disgusted by Trump's handling of the virus. But what most people don't fully grapple with is that Biden's policies um, around COVID are essentially the same, which is just rely on the vaccine and let everything else rip. And that's, you know, the only difference maybe, you know, that Biden wears a mask and Trump did it. Um, and right. so um, that that's something that that we as people who have experienced the healthcare system and its inadequacies and people that see the impact of it on every day have to continue to uh, speak out about because there is Unfortunately, far too little difference between Biden's handling of this pandemic and, and Trump's handling of this pandemic. And they've both been disastrous and they've both killed hundreds of thousands of people unnecessarily. And, and coming back to your hospital in, in the Bronx, 
Can you talk a little bit more about the the staffing situation and the morale of the of the workers, and also the the brain drain that you all have have experienced as many uh, experienced uh, workers ha- have left, and they've had to find whoever they can to replace them. Sure, I mean um, we've never experienced the, the last two years. We've never experienced turnover like we've experienced in my entire fourteen year career. Uh, we've had rough economic times. We've had um, bad staffing cuts. Uh, we've had we've worked short staff and, and uh, pretty chronically throughout. But nothing nothing comes close to comparing to the amount of uh, pressure and moral distress that nurses have suffered over this last two years without any relief, without any uh, uh, services to support our profession and to and to fix the the chronic endemic problems that have been laid bare uh, by this pandemic. Um, For instance, in uh, next door in the adult emergency room department, by the hospital's own estimates, it takes over 100 nurses to to fully staff that unit. And right now, we have uh, less than uh, than 50, I think the last count was 53 full-time nurses and about uh, 20 to 30 agency nursing staff trying to run that department. So we had, and out of those 50, a little over 50 full-time nurses, uh, less than half of those have been there for longer than three or four years. Um, And it's the same on my side in pediatric. It takes about 25 to 27 nurses to run our department. um, And we have about less than, we have less than 10 that have been there for more than four years. So... um, and what does the that brain mean? Drain. What does that mean, like in, in terms of day to day practice? When, especially as more patients are pouring in uh, with the Omicron variant, it means that newer nurses have more difficulty multitasking. Um, newer nurses have more difficulty getting IVs. Newer nurses have more difficulty um, uh, being uh, safely administering multiple medications at the same time. When you're in a trauma and you can't get an IV on a patient that's bleeding out, that's a problem. Uh, when you're in, um, when you're, when somebody's sick and they need, you know, rapid infusion of uh, blood product through our specialized equipment, and that nurse doesn't know how to operate that equipment, or an agency nurse that just got hired doesn't know where the blood bank is, um, then that's a problem. And, um, and that is, and, and also, you know, you're talking about the amount of patient overload, uh, nurses in the adult emergency room are taking care of uh, 10 uh, over 10 patients at a time, inclusive of patients who are bound for the intensive care unit, bound for hospital, bound for the other inpatient units. Um, these are sick patients, and there's there's many, many sick patients that nurses are being asked to care for. And so you have to juggle a ton, and you have to be experienced to be able to do that m- even moderately safely. Uh, it's, not, it's not safe to it's not safe for a nurse with 20 years experience to take care of that many patients. And it's far less, it's far less safe for a nurse uh, with two years experience or an agency nurse that's not familiar with the unit to, to take care of the patients. So uh, the brain drain, the percentage of agency staff versus full-time staff uh, there also is a profound, we're hiring, we're constantly hiring new people, but there's nobody to train the new nurses. So, you have, we have had nurses who have been precepting new nurses throughout this entire time and are completely unable to do 
adequate job in training new nurses because they have to take care of those 10 patients and train the new nurses at the same time. And it's just impossible. And so it adds to the, to the stress. I, I will never, I will stop you ever using the word burnout because uh, it, it makes it seem like this is just like a, a natural process or a, you know, uh, a process that is like some flaw of a nurse. I prefer to use the term uh, that, that National Nurses United uses, which is called moral distress. The amount of nurses that have moral distress right now, it's not that we're not, uh, we can't do our jobs. It's that we are unable, we, we are not given the resources to be able to do our jobs. We're not failing at doing our jobs. Uh, they're failing at providing the, any sort of, uh, any sort of support for right. us to be able to our jobs right just another weakness of the of the public of the for-profit healthcare system so sean we're gonna um shift gear just a little bit and and talk about um you know the public has been scrambling to obtain covid test kits during the holiday travel season season but the biden administration has done very little to to do to make them widely available excuse me Now we're going to listen to White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki being asked earlier this month about test availability. Why not just make them free and give them out and have them available everywhere? Should we just send one to every American? Maybe. Then, then what? Ha- then what happens if you if every American has one test? How much does that cost? And then what happens after that? We talked a little bit about your your reaction to the Biden administration's response, but get a little bit deeper in, in how you your assessment of how they've handled things over the past year since he took power. Yeah, that kind of um, snarky, like, what do you what do you want us to do? The basic ABCs of what other countries have done to completely control the spread of this virus and to mm-hmm. what do you want us to do? Be South Korea, be New Zealand and make sure there's like actually a small percentage of your population dies of this virus and like do the ABCs of, you know, test, trace and isolate and do lockdowns when the virus gets out of control. Yes, that's exactly what we want you to do. Um, we want there should I mean, Biden even admits himself they we should have dealt with the we should have dealt with the testing uh we have more work to do on testing, you know, infrastructure, more work to do. You've been in office for over, you know, for a year, you know, um, and Trump is like, you've had so the, the, the people in charge of so many resources in charge of the CDC, formerly before this pandemic, one of the most widely respected um, infectious disease institutions in the world. Um that had so many resources, so much expertise, knew how to do this stuff. And you're telling me that you didn't know that you had to develop a testing infrastructure two years ago? Of course they knew. They re- they've been refusing to do it over and over and over again. They've had a million chances to build a national testing and tracing infrastructure, and they refused to do it. Yet here we said, you know, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, uh, UPS, all these corporations make multiple tens of billions of dollars during this pandemic. They're not taxed at all. No, no infrastructure has been developed. The resources are out there. Nobody has forced those resources to go where they need to go. Um, and that's, that's the bottom line. Yeah. One, yeah. Could it have happened that every American got mailed, not one test, but 10 tests, you know what I mean? Six months ago in preparation for the 
very predictable and inevitable uh, mutation of this virus? Yes, of course that could have happened. Could could tracing infrastructure been developed in school sites um, and, and could it have been expanded in my hospital site? Of course it could have. But the mentality is they, they want to do everything on the cheap. And it's called a lean production model. It's been happening in corporate America and it's been happening throughout the public sector where they just want everything to happen uh, just in time to, to cost as little uh, and to be as staffed as little so that they can, so that they can maximize um, uh, profits um, and minimize costs. And um, that's the way American capitalism works. And um, in healthcare, this pandemic has just revealed how much of an unmitigated disaster that actually is. Right. And, and um, before we have to wrap up here in a minute, can you give a, a quick synopsis of what kind of transformative changes we do need to see in our healthcare system so we don't repeat this in, in the future? And, and we, we have about a minute left, so you'll have to go probably a little I'll faster than you'd like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, first thing is uh, Medicare for all, point blank. You need to equalize funding with healthcare institutions. You need some sort of national infrastructure to be able to deploy uh, public health resources. You need to re-employ re, um, and refund county health departments so that every county in this country has enough resources to know the actual people that live in that county know their health problems. They'll be able to get them and build trust and get them vaccine information and get them a trustworthy uh, medical home. You need to revamp uh, uh, primary care in this country. Nobody has trust in the medical institutions in this country and for very good reason. And that's why there's vaccine hesitancy and refusal. It's why far right wingers can take advantage of that mistrust. Um, and, uh, and then we also need to massively restructure uh, uh, hospital personnel training. Uh, they, there should be no reason we have a nursing shortage in this country. There should be no reason we don't have uh, uh, hundreds seconds. of thousands of trained, hundreds of thousands of trained uh, nursing and um, nurses aides and physician personnel uh, to be uh, mobilized for this pandemic to be able to provide the care that people need. Uh, that okay. should be a priority, not um, not getting an Amazon package in in two days. Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there, but uh, Sean Pe- Petty, emergency pediatric nurse at Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx, uh, frontline, a very essential worker who's been in the thick of this since the pandemic started. Thank you so much for joining us on WBAI Radio this evening, and thank you for all the work you and your colleagues are doing. Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay. We will be back after this short break.